Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we discuss the UK spring budget, what changes investors should take note of, and what surprises, if any, were revealed. With Nikki Eggers, Head of Investments, Emma Hosking-Williams, Associate Partner in Ernst & Young's Private Capital Tax Team, Lee Platt, Director and Wealth Planning Specialist, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. The information in this call today is intended to provide only a general outline of the subjects covered in the spring budget. It should not be regarded as financial advice. Accordingly, Ernst & Young accept no responsibility for loss arising from any action taken or not taken by anyone using information from this call. If you require any further information, explanations or specific advice, please contact us and we will be happy to discuss matters further. Hello, welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. Obviously, this week we had budget, so that's the focus today. And as usual, we've, we've tried to bring a team of specialists that will help us to unpack what what happened, what it means, and to give you some food for thought. So today we're joined by Lee Platt, who's one of our senior wealth planners. We also have the benefit of Emma Hosking-Williams, who's an associate partner in Ernst & Young's private capital tax team. And finally, as always, we have Will, our, our CIO. So Will, before we get into all things budget, let's start off with, with the global context, what's been going on in markets, what, what was the reaction to the budget from, a, from an investor perspective? And then obviously we'll, we'll talk to the people that really know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for, thanks for that, uh, Nikki. <laughs> yes, usual. Uh, no, no, you're right. I'm looking forward to hearing from those guys too. So we'll get my bit over with quickly. That market context is it's pretty wild at the moment, to be honest. Nowhere near as wild as much of last year, of course, but still plenty going on. And I think the main thing to draw out at the moment is this kind of steep fall in government bond prices and the corresponding, you know, rise in bond yields and interest rates across all, all, all maturities. Now, you know, the big driving force here is a kind of reappraisal of the world's near-term growth prospects. So, you know, part of that is the much faster than expected drop in infection rates, more than can be explained by you know these very successful vaccination campaigns or even you know estimations of pre-existing herd immunity, um, and also kind of this evolving story with stimulus, government stimulus, and it's primarily about the U.S. stimulus package, incoming stimulus package, and what lies in that slipstream. But the U.K. is also part of this, and actually yesterday, you know, you found that you know the spring budget fits into that narrative quite nicely. So you found that actually U.K government bonds were leading the sell-off globally yesterday as markets were a little bit surprised by you know the chancellor's you know continuing fiscal generosity relative uh, relative to um, expectations so you know that was part of it I guess you know a lot of the headlines you're seeing um, are about uh, and the guys will talk about this and we'll talk about this far more knowledgeably but a lot of the headlines were about the the future corporate tax rise but like I said that was pretty well it was a pretty well discussed area in the run-up and, and it's part of a global discussion about corporate taxes at the moment, which is which is quite interesting, I think. Great stuff. And Emma, I mean, it would be brilliant to to hear your feedback on on the points that you drew from from what we heard from the Chancellor yesterday. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, you know, the challenge for the Chancellor in his 3rd of March budget was to balance the need to provide continuing support and encourage investment while at the same time starting to return to sustainable public finances. 
So what we saw was the extension of COVID-19 support, largely as anticipated, but with policies that seek to avoid cliff edges as the support winds down. And to assist the public finances, this support was accompanied by a 25% corporation tax rate for larger companies from the 1st of April 2023, with an associated rise in the rate of diverted profits tax to 31%, but with a commitment to reviewing the level of the bank surcharge rate. We also saw the freezing of a number of allowances and thresholds, in some cases up to 2026. So I think the next few days we'll see how well the Chancellor has managed to satisfy the various different expectations and also give a chance to assess the implications of his plans for the future. Yeah, and you know, there, there, there's been a lot of chatter about the approach to tax, especially you know, there were much anticipated tax rises in this budget. What, what did you see as, as surprise moves? Were, were there any or was it all very much you know, as had filtered out? Um, I think, as you say, there had been a great deal of speculation in the run up to the budget that we might see an increase in capital gains tax rates or the introduction of a wealth tax. However, neither of these measures featured in the Chancellor's budget. And instead, we saw the freezing of a number of allowances and thresholds. The government stood by its commitment to its triple lock promise. So there were no increases to income tax or national insurance rates. However, it was announced that the personal allowance and higher rate threshold will freeze after the already announced inflationary increases for the coming tax year. So the personal allowance and higher rate threshold will remain at 12,570 and 50,270 respectively from the first from April 2021 to April 2026. The Chancellor also announced that the pensions lifetime allowance, the inheritance tax nil rate bans and the capital gains tax annual exempt amount will be frozen until April 2026. The freezing of income tax thresholds in particular will have a big impact as any inflationary increases in individual salaries will result in more of their wage being taxed at the higher income tax rates. After the proposed rise in corporation tax in 2023, This is the biggest tax raising measure in the budget, and it's anticipated to raise over £8 billion in the 2025-26 tax year. Okay, so so Lee, from a wealth planning perspective, you know, it'd be great, great to bring you in. Clearly, personal tax rates, thresholds, allowances, it was, those were all areas that, that, that people were focused on, and they've remained unchanged. What, what do you see for, for those of our listeners who are investors sort of being being mindful of what that means for them. Yeah, well, you know, Nikki, this brings an element of, of certainty, which allows uh, investors to to at least plan ahead. And, and in my dealings with clients, um, uncertainty for many during this pandemic has seen an element of, of inertia. So having sight of any fixed positions are certainly going to allow more people to move forward with with their plans. The importance of structuring your wealth appropriately and using your savings to make sure that you're utilising any available tax allowances, be these your personal allowance, your capital gains tax allowance, ISA allowances, etc. will certainly help to make your investments more tax efficient and therefore help to maximise potential net returns. And, and we saw specifically um, the pensions lifetime allowance not not 
increasing in line with inflation. So it's going to be be fixed at the current level until 2026. Some might look at look at that number and feel like it's a nice problem to have, but but clearly you know, when we're talking about pension pots, you know, that's not necessarily to be viewed as a king's ransom. So what, what should savers be considering when when perhaps they they have identified that they're at or close to that lifetime allowance threshold? Yeah, so, you know, the pensions lifetime allowance and the, the current tapered annual allowances, they are complex enough. So for many people, it's about looking across all of your pension benefits and you know we know that the 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 lifetime allowances in excess of a million pounds and many might think that that is you know a significant number but across a whole range of different pensions you can find that you know it soon starts to uh, to add up no increase in the lifetime allowance could see people that are either close to or, or getting close to that uh, allowance falling over into the uh, the lifetime allowance certainly with this being fixed you know over the uh, the next number of years up to to 2026 and as a result of that could find themselves su- suffering additional tax charges the importance of seeking advice around your individual position is really important and that's going to help people to understand you know how this position might impact on you uh, and importantly what steps you might need to take to help minimize uh, the potential impact of any tax charges now, there are also potential alternative or additional ways to achieve tax relief, um, which an advisor could help to explore with you. And certainly for people that are, are concerned or worried about uh, breaching the lifetime allowance or that are already there, then looking at some alternatives. And these could be things like um, enterprise investment schemes, EIS, um, venture capital trusts, uh, VCT, as well as other types of vehicles like uh, offshore bonds, all, ha- all can help towards meeting your capital and income requirements later in life. And again, the importance of seeking advice so you can understand your position and know what options are available to you is, is really imperative. Yeah, that's that's well said, Lee. I mean, I think you know we'd we'd all love easy, simple answers, but but sadly, you know, this is very much a, a landscape that that is very specific to an individual circumstances. So your your point is well made there. And another element that tends to come up in certainly in some of the client conversations that I'm sure that you're having is looking at that inheritance tax threshold. Again, it remains unchanged. It's going to be fixed until 2026, as was, was mentioned in the budget. What, what should people be thinking about when it comes to the inheritance tax threshold? Yeah, it's a great question, Nikki. So yeah, the, the inheritance tax threshold, IHT threshold, commonly referred to as the nil rate band, will remain at £325,000 per individual. Um, it's, it's actually been at this level since 2009. So factoring in this, uh, this is going to be fixed until uh, 2026. That's a 17 year period where the threshold hasn't increased in, in line with inflation. Uh, and, and ultimately, this is going to see more estates falling chargeable to inheritance taxes, asset prices increase with inflation over time. Uh, and it's particularly an issue for higher value estates, which don't benefit from any additional uh, allowances like the uh, the residence uh, nil rate band against their, their main residence. 
However, th- there is certainty around the threshold and the allowances being fixed up to 2026. So for people that are looking to uh, pass on wealth or to address their uh, estate and inheritance tax position, then this does provide a known playing field uh, as such. And again, you should seek advice to best understand your your options. It would also be a good time to take action. Should you have been waiting again to see what changes there may uh, have been in relation to inheritance tax following the budget, we've seen this this certainty of this uh, level playing field uh, for the next number of years. So to start planning, if you haven't done already, uh, I think is a, is a key message. And I'm sure I, I speak for you and and many of, of your your colleagues and peers in, in other organisations where, you know, perhaps a bit of a call out to say, you know, we're in the first week of March. Obviously, the tax year end comes up on the 5th of April it's definitely not something to leave till the day before if you're into maximizing your your allowances and such like you know definitely definitely worth taking some time to consider it and putting your plans in place and of course you then have the new tax year to to do it all over again and emma if i may come back to you um you know something on on our minds course is around the the economic impact of the coronavirus, not obviously notwithstanding the the health crisis and and the emotional impact that it's had on on people, but when it comes to the economic impact, clearly we currently are sitting on a on a large hole in the in the finances of of the UK and you know rest of the world too. But what what did you see insofar as support measures within the budget, and you know how how is that? landed, as far as you can tell, around seeking to repair some of this economic damage? Well, as expected, there there were a number of COVID-related support measures announced in the budget, um, and I'll focus just on on a few for now. The coronavirus job retention scheme, which was due to end on the 30th of April, has been extended to the 30th of September. So employees will continue to receive 80% as under the current scheme, However, from the 1st of July, employers will be expected to contribute to the cost of the hours that their employees don't work. So employers will be expected to pay 10% towards the cost of hours not worked in July, in addition to continuing to pay national insurance contributions and pensions costs as they would at present, with the government paying 70%. Uh, for August and September, this will rise to 20% for employers, with 60% being paid by the government. There'll also be a fourth self-employment income support scheme grant, which will be available to claim from April at the same rates as the third grant, which was payable in July. So 80% of profits up to £7,500. A fifth grant will then be available in July. But for that grant, only businesses who have seen a reduction of greater than 30% in turnover will be eligible for the 80% grant. For businesses with less than a 30% reduction, they'll only be able to claim a grant of 30%. And another welcome announcement for individuals was the extension of the so-called SDLT holiday. So the increased nil rate band for stamp duty land tax of £500,000, which was due to revert to £125,000 on the 31st of March, will be extended to the 30th of June. The nil rate band will then be set at £250,000 before falling back to £125,000 from the 1st of October 2021. This is also going to be accompanied by the introduction of a mortgage guarantee scheme to help people with deposits of 5% get on the property ladder. 
And this new scheme is not restricted to first time buyers or new build homes, but there will be a £600,000 limit. Interesting. And, and you know, for, for those watching market movers, clearly we saw quite a, a movement in property related stock on the back of that. Any last comments, Will, Lee? Any, any other calls to arms for our listeners? Nothing from me. I thought the guy said it perfectly. I can't, I can't, there's no point in me ruining the whole, the whole podcast right here. <laughs> I think everyone's, everyone's, everyone's said everything we need to say. Brilliant. Well, well, a huge thank you, Emma, especially from a friendly partnership firm. So thank you very much for joining us and Lee for your, your insights. And do join us again next week for more Word on the Street. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation. All tax rules can change in future and their effects depend on your individual circumstances, which can also change. We don't offer personal tax advice. You should obtain this independently if you are unsure. Investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.